Welcome to This Academic Life, episode 24. This podcast is brought to you by local sponsors and listeners like yourself. If you're interested in sponsorship, then please contact us at sponsor at thisacademiclife.org. Hi, my name is Kim Michelle Lewis. I'm a professor of physics and associate dean of research. Hi, I'm Panya Newell. I'm an assistant professor in mechanical engineering. Hi, I'm Lucy Zhang. I'm a professor of mechanical engineering. This is the end of the semester, and we thought teaching evaluation is on the horizon. And the topic for today is to talk about evaluation of teaching. Evaluation of teaching can have many purposes, including important decisions in one's academic career, such as reappointment or promotion and tenure. As educators, we also hope to use the evaluation as a way to assess our teaching effectiveness and identify areas and means to improve. There are several different ways to evaluate teaching, such as peer observation, student feedback, and self-evaluation, among many others. Among them, the most commonly used ones and routinely adopted at the college level is the teaching evaluations from students. At the end of each semester or term, students are asked to fill out an evaluation form about their impressions on the course and the instructor, and sometimes also the teaching assistants for the course. Just a very quick history about teaching evaluations. It actually dates back to 1920s based on a study or a recent book on grading the college written by Dr. Scott Gauber from Johns Hopkins. Based on the study, critics assumed that the roots of evaluation stretch back to the start of corporization of higher education in the 1970s and 1980s. By the time we reached mid-1970s, three quarters of faculty members believed that course evaluations should be used in tenure and promotion proceedings. No matter we like it or not, we can't take ourselves out of that decision-making process from the very beginning. Let's talk about we as instructors, what we have observed and what we have experienced on taking these course evaluations from students. Things have changed quite a bit. When I was in college, those evaluations are done by Scantron forms, and we do it on the very last day of the semester, and then some volunteer in the class would then collect all the papers and then bring them into some offices. And nowadays, I believe almost all of our evaluations are being done online. So from my observation, as a result of that, the participation rate has significantly dropped because you're no longer sitting in the classroom. We ask the students to take extra amount of time. They're in their dorm room, log into their computer, and then do this quote-unquote service for the institution. So from what I have observed, it really went from 80 to 90 percent participation in a particular course now probably dropped down to 20 to 30 percent, which is very low. I'm not even sure if that low of a participation rate is even meaningful. Actually, you brought up a good point. In my 
university, they even drop if the evaluations are below some percentage. They say that we don't even consider it. So you don't even see the feedbacks unless they are above some level. I don't remember that threshold. Yeah, and it's also becoming more difficult to time when we should ask students to complete course evaluations because we're virtual. Before, when we were in the classroom, it was very clear when your exams were going to be taken. And so then you would be able to nail that gray area between study period, the exams, and when the grades are due. But now that we're all online, things are fluid, meaning that some faculty members are giving exams before the dates are posted and then even posting their grades before they're actually due, which often is before the course evaluations are complete. So now students are evaluating or submitting their course evaluations based on their final grade <laughs> when that wasn't how it was supposed to be done. So I'm just saying that it's even more challenging to Lucy's point that not only is the participation decreasing, but also how the timing of giving the course evaluations have changed because we're all online or virtual. What we need to realize is that if it's the participation is low, say you drop it, how is it going to affect people like us as instructors? The real meaning of it is to evaluate the faculty. I'm assuming nowadays we use it for tenure and promotion. If that number is not there, what happens? So that kind of, I guess, for because these evaluations, they play a role in the promotion and evaluations of the faculty. I feel that kind of faculty, they get punished for the students not doing the evaluations. And that's why they are encouraging faculty to come up with creative ways to increase the participation's number. I have a mixed feeling for it because I think if a students, they know the importance of this evaluation and they are aware of the impact on the institution as a whole, maybe they would be doing it without any faculty doing any trick on them or forcing them to bring their laptops to the classroom and sit 10 minutes and you all do the evaluations or we give you extra five points if you do it or I serve cookies to get these evaluations. <laughs> I feel like it's really defeating the whole purpose yes. of evaluation. At the beginning of this, we mentioned that back in 1970s, other instructors felt like this is needed in order for them to improve the effectiveness of their teaching. But now we're simply doing everything that we could, doing tricks and everything in order to just get a number. What I have noticed over the years of getting students evaluation is that typically the evaluations came out to be bimodal. There's a group, a cluster of students who absolutely hate everything. They just simply hate school. And then they would do all give you the lowest numbers ever for every single class. And these people participate and all their comments are negative and not constructive. And there's another group of people, usually not many, those are 
really good students who participate the entire semester. They really feel like they learned a lot. They really, really enjoyed the course and the instructor who really cared. So that's another group of people who would participate in this evaluation. So you see this bimodal evaluation. Yeah, so that goes back to students not being educated about the importance of this evaluations for themselves, for the next generation of students, and also most of instructors, they really want to improve their teaching skills. They want to get feedback from students, but sometimes the students, they just want to be done. They just put no's or yeses or, you know, five out of five or one out of five just to be done with it uh, without realizing that how these numbers could potentially impact somebody's career or future students. So I think that it goes back to how much a student know about the impact of these evaluations. I think factors could be the course itself, whether or not it's an elective course or whether or not it's a required course. If I am not a physics major and I'm being asked to take an introductory to physics class, then I may or may not want to take this class. And so it could negatively impact the outcome of the course evaluation for that student. Or you could have the bimodal where they didn't know that they really did like physics. <laughs> it could positively affect the course. Versus if you do a class that is an elective, so let's say machine learning, which is a hot topic now, and you get an influx of students that want to learn about that, typically you end up getting positive course evaluations. So I think to me, those are the two main, whether or not it's a required course or whether or not it's an elective course. I think that often plays a big role in the performance of the class. And probably secondly, if there's a lab component, I think especially at more technical or engineering schools like RPI where there's a lab component, I think students tend to enjoy the lab component more than the lecture component. Or even at the university where I am, you tend to find students give better ratings for the lab component, you know, just because it's hands-on, it's not monotonous and they get to do things. So those are just some general factors that I think could influence the course evaluation. Another thing was, reminds me of this one course that I taught. It was a required course, but because of the ABAT requirement, we have to put in so much content into the course. We have no say in how much we should be teaching, but because of the ABAT requirement, we have to jam everything in. And the course evaluation had always been quite negative because the students thought that it was way overloaded for a typical three credit or four credit course. But it's nothing that we can control. There are so many factors that by the time it gets to us, the instructors. And also, I think another factor is how many times you've taught that course and how 
if it's your first time I think even the best instructor they improve over the years and the more you teach it the more you have a better understanding of how to present the, the same material and I think that plays a role like I remember that the first time I thought it was when I was at adjunct and I thought at University of New Mexico and I thought I'm the best teacher and I thought the best way but when I started teaching here, I realized that, well, there were so many th mistakes that I made when I thought it at, as an adjunct at the University of New Mexico, even though the students, they gave me, they were really nice and they gave me really good evaluations. I know that how I need to improve. So I think that time plays a role too. And also, I think a study has shown that also there are many other factors, maybe they are secondary, the gender and also, you know, the nationality and the topics that you are teaching plays a role too in, in a student's evaluation. If we're talking about biases in these evaluations, you certainly find that we're all women in STEM fields in a very much male-dominated field. And you could see that the bias is... <laughs> I had students years ago in the evaluation, they commented on my dress. That is totally irrelevant and totally inappropriate, but it was showed up. And I wonder how administrators use that information. I mean, are they going to just toss it? That's, you know, when I was much younger too. So I think a lot of it just simply, the students look at things differently than what we do. And just simply not meaningful assessment of us being instructors, but rather on a gender, ethnicity in many ways as well. I saw one of my colleagues in his course evaluation, and he's one of the best instructors for the course. And some student commented saying that even though he knows his materials, he should work on his accent. Maybe taking some English classes would help him. So you hear all these and then uh, commenting about the outfit and dress is very common for female faculty. I don't think male colleagues they get much comments unless they put tuxedos on or something I don't know <laughs> but yeah I've gotten all of those comments and then some including my hair being distracting and one thing I found interesting is the scoring right so let's just say I'm just gonna make it up you know the first couple of questions is you know does the professor start the lecture on time another question could be and then the student rates five out of five does the professor show up to office hours on time five out of five are the notes organized and are the notes relevant to the test five out of five and then it gets to the last question what is your overall rating of the professor two out of Eight five out of five <laughs> and you're like so wait a second. So I show up to class on time. My notes are organized. You understood what I said. Everything added up to give you, you know, great questions on the exam. But when asked about the overall rating, you give a two out of five. So it's so interesting that they're not even consciously thinking. But when they get to that question, it feels more like an opinion. Do I like her? Do I like him? right mm -hmm. and because it's not concrete and it's not tied to 
something that they can remember. Yes, they showed up on time. Yes, they did this. And then the last question is pretty much, do you like this instructor? It's like, no, I don't like her. (laughs) (laughs) So I remember bringing up to some colleagues that we should either ask that question in a different way where it makes it more factual or we don't ask them that question and we average the boxes that they checked. So then that way it takes the opinion out of, do you like this instructor? Obviously you do in a sense, because they prepared everything nicely. You build up, everything was structured very well. Or if you say it's two out of five, then maybe some comments about a reason for that scoring. So to me, sometimes that used to be very disappointing to see that I got fives on everything, but then when you ask whether or not you liked me or my overall rating, you said two out of five because that's what goes in my promotion packet. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, I like the averaging way of doing it. That particular question, when they're asked whether you like the instructor or not, is a very subjective score. I know you you meant because we're giving them that this like scale for them to choose from, which is supposed to be a very meaningful, very objective way of assessing. But the question is itself is not. So I think that it creates a lot of discrepancy during this translation process. A lot to be improved, I should say. Do you think that within that one semester, they have observed enough for them to make that assessment? I think it depends on how we set up the questions. We're teaching them about science, about logic. We're setting them up, right, for critical thinking skills. And I think if we set the questions up, then I think the answer is yes, they can provide constructive criticism. I remember having sort of like a informal discussion saying, okay, last semester I used this. This semester I changed it up and instead of using that, I used the PowerPoint a little bit more. So that way I'll have more time to do demos. So I kind of subconsciously told them what I've done differently than last semester because I got feedback from the students that maybe I spent too much time writing on the board and my back was to them, right? And so this time I changed it up and tried to use some PowerPoints, you know, and told them I did a mixed mode or hybrid thing. And then I can see them like, oh, okay, yeah, I like this better, right? (laughs) So then they start to understand where the comments should come in at. Or I would just have a discussion with them and say, you know, did you guys like this? It's towards the end of the semester. I tried this. What do you think? And then that way, when they go to do the course evaluations, they can at least recall something. Okay, yeah, she asked us about that. I kind of didn't like it. I'll tell her here or something like that. But I think it gives them the impression that the structure of the class was thought out. I was thoughtful about the demonstrations that I did. I was thoughtful about the questions. I was thoughtful about which slides I showed. And then that at least give them that compassion. Like, you know, I really want to make sure you understand Newton's laws. I really want to make sure you understand Maxwell equations, right? And I think that could help. Now, as a female, then you start getting comments like, oh, she's so nice, right? (laughs) That's a good comment, 
but kind of relates back to that gender thing because then you know i was showing some compassion and maybe other colleagues don't do that and so now i'm the nice professor it's really hard to win at this game but the best thing you can do is try and let your work ethics speak for yourself so i always did some type of justification when I submitted my promotion, whether it's for three year or for associate or for full, I always provided some justification. Like, yes, my teaching scores was low here because I changed from this to this, or I did this to this. And I tried to provide, not really make excuses, but let them know I was improving mm -hmm. and I tried to improve by doing this, right? And so it didn't work so well, but I was conscious about trying to make things better in the classroom. I think you made a very, very good point. And I think it's also very important for early careers to really document that effort because you may be trying three or five different things for each class that you're teaching and your evaluation score may not go up at all as a result of that effort. But the fact that you tried and it should be valued no matter what. And I think one more comment I'll add is once you figure out what your strengths are, so like my colleague's strength was storytelling. So he's told really good stories to get points across. And I found like my strength was one-on-one -on -one interactions with the students. Instead of lecturing for 50 minutes, I would lecture for 20 minutes and then I would use the rest of the time to go around and talk to the students. Okay, do you have a question about this concept or that concept? And then my teaching scores went up because they were like, she does really good when I go to her office hours. <laughs> I don't know what she's talking about in lab or in lecture, but when I go to her office hours, she breaks it down. And so then I said, oh, okay, I got it. So I'm really good at this one-on-one -on -one thing, not so good at teaching 300 students for 50 minutes. So I need to find a way to break this 50 minutes up so that I can capitalize on my strength by engaging with the students one-on-one. -on -one. I personally do a lot of self-evaluation and also midterm evaluation. I go to the center of teaching and learning evaluation and I request them in the one third through the semester or halfway through the semester to come and evaluate me and give me feedback because if you really wanted to improve my experience is that most of the time you don't get much of a constructive feedback from a student's evaluation but those centers they provide at least to me, they provided more feedback and more constructive feedback that I can improve my teaching. And one thing that I was wondering if it's possible that in future that the course evaluation has a section for the students, that they do self-reflection. Like how much did you know before taking this class? How much did you learn through this class? How much of it it's because of your instructor or how much of it was, you know, self-study or whatever. I'm not good at creating this questionnaires, but I think that it, it should be part of that and it should allow a student to self-reflect and also evaluate the instructor but I think it would be more work and more evaluation and I don't like that that part that two questions out of this big questionnaires impacts your career why we don't care about the others like oh the teacher is very organized very whatever and then at the end is like 
the nice or the ugly part, I guess it makes it to your tenure packet. <laughs> we all have seen so many negative sentiments toward this evaluation, students' evaluation. I myself, at one point, I said, I'm not going to look at these comments because some are very personal. And I felt like after putting so much effort going through the entire semester and I read this, it kills a lot of motivations, to be honest. And I think the fact that the evaluations is there should be in a supporting role. So we're trying to be better. We're trying to learn how to be better. And this is one resource that we could use to be better. But in reality, it pushes us down most of the time. It's not useful. It's not constructive. I am not sure how long this can sustain at this level, the current level of these numbers, ratings being used. It's still there and it's still being used. And even in the days of COVID, when there's almost no assessments coming from the students, how are we dealing with this? Where's the future? We definitely have to play our part in educating the students. Maybe the administrations will play a larger role in educating the students because if I tell them, hey, you writing a negative comment about me doesn't really impact my race, they think, Oh, if I write a really bad rating about her, she's clearly not going to be here next semester. And it's like, no, that's not how that works. So they have all of these things in their head. So one time I talked to the students about how providing constructive feedback could get us more resources for the classroom. And so they was like, oh, really? And I was like, yes. We and the administration come up with good ways to educate the students about how the course evaluations are used. I think it could be beneficial. I think we should continue the course evaluations and just educate the students more. It really could be a long-term overall thing. It could be good. Mm -hmm. It takes a collective effort from the instructor side. We could do things like you were mentioning and also maybe coming from the administration, uh, just to kind of educate them at the very beginning as they enter college, to tell them this is a very important integral part of our educational system and treat it seriously. That kind of trigger down from the top and continuously throughout the time that they're here. I do agree. It has to come from the higher ups because we don't want faculty to be in an uncomfortable position to educate a student for the course evaluation because it's like, oh yeah, they are bribing us or whatever <laughs> that they would say. Honestly, I think that actually the whole way that faculty, students, administrations, they are looking at this evaluation needs to be changed. We need to all understand that we are all here as part of one unit and we are helping each other. It's not like, oh, I'll go after her or him and I ruin their career by just giving them the lowest evaluation. We all need to realize that we want the most out of this evaluation and they need to realize that this is the service that they can do to future students that they are taking the class and also you know it's part of 
giving back to the community and helping the instructor. So I think that everybody needs to become mature enough and hopefully one day we look at these evaluations differently. So one last thing is, what do you think about ratemyprofessor.com? What I found was actually parents are using that to assist their children in selecting professors for their class. I didn't realize that. And I was talking to a parent and they were saying that they chose this professor to teach this introductory class for their child because they went on rate my professor and et cetera. And I was shocked that parents actually go on rate my professor to assist their kids in signing up for classes. And I was just listening to this parent and how my mouth was just like, what? This is crazy. But I did talk to her to explain how that could be a good and bad thing, right? And I said, probably most importantly, your child should probably talk to his or her friends and find out if that rate my professor rating is really what it is in the classroom. And they should be focused on the teaching technique that the faculty member provided. But rate my professor, I don't think since I've been a professor, I've had the courage to go and read it. I just can't bring myself to read it. I've read other professors because I remember once where one of the students told me, oh, did you hear professor so-and-so has a hot chili pepper next to his name? I went, what? Uh, what a chili pepper? And so I go there and this professor has like a chili pepper next to his name to rate his hotness. And I was like, are you kidding me? Because it's public space. Otherwise, the evaluation that we get are not published to the public. So the students before, they all rely on each other's word of mouth, right? And when they choose a particular section of a course based on the professor. But with that public space, it's like rating a product on Amazon. Everybody have access to it. If you have enough of a rating coming from 30 students and everybody give you a hot pepper, you must be good. You have to be good. The parents will believe it. All your classmates believe it. Then go ahead and choose that person's <laughs> class. I'm not sure where the trend is going with that, but I actually know that some recruitments of faculty if they had taught in another school and then they're moving on to another institution, the hiring committee, the search committee would actually go because otherwise they would not have access to this candidate prior records. But this is public and then they look at it and say, oh, look, four people rated low must not be good. But what the students or the parents really need to know is they're really looking at a very small sliver of the information. It's 1% of the students who took the class probably participate in it. Just like when we don't have enough participation, I wouldn't think this is a reliable source of information. So we have been talking about student evaluations. I think there are some take-home messages to the students and you're doing the evaluations is to improve overall educational system, the community that you're in. So I would highly recommend that when you do fill out these evaluations, be professional, be constructive, and be part of the system rather than being an outsider and it's me against you. 
oftentimes do your own self-evaluation before you actually do the teaching evaluation for the instructor. Just evaluate how much time and effort you have put into the semester. Do a fair assessment. That's really what the instructors really want, a fair one. We don't always expect everything to be fancy, perfect, everything to be five stars, but we want real feedback. If there's anything that we need to improve, we want to know wholeheartedly because we want to be better as well. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed this conversation. Find us at thisacademiclife.org or follow us on Facebook. You can listen to our latest episodes on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Music, or Google Podcasts. Please rate us. We welcome any feedback or suggestions for future episodes. Join us next time for the good, the bad, and the ugly of this academic life.